Good morning. Good to see each one here this morning. Well, we'll continue on in lesson two, and we're at talking about the farmer. And this next section is Eddie Plant. I mean, the farmer plants. <laughs> Eddie is our resident farmer. Uh, to have good crops, a farmer must start with good seed. That makes sense, don't it? Doesn't it? Does it not? A great deal of study, work, and care goes into the process of developing seed for thriving, productive crops. You know, uh, of course, you got you to gotta plant the seed. Having the seed doesn't do much good, does it? Uh, Haggai 2.19, the Lord asks, Is the seed yet in the barn? Crops cannot grow if the seed is left in the barn. Uh, God asks why the people have neglected to plant the seed of God's word. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's the famine today is caused by lack of planting of the seed. Uh, the parable of the sower in Luke 8, uh, chapter 8, it begins, a sower, let's see, what is that he did? He went, a sower went out to sow seed. So you have to, you, you can't stay inside. Uh, if you're able to go, you got to go and you got to do it. Planting the seed was this man's purpose. It was his job. It says that the, a sower went out to sow his seed. He was not supposed to guard uh, the seed carefully in the barn. He was not supposed to hoard the seed to see how much he could accumulate. He was not to analyze and criticize the seed, speculating in a possible harvest. He was not to admire the seed. Uh, kept in the barn, it was useless. The sower was simply supposed to go out and get the seed in the ground. As God's people, we have been given a responsibility to plant the seed of the Word of God. But some Christians get so caught up inspecting the seed or the fruit, they lose sight of the responsibility to plant. And I think what the, the lesson is trying to tell us here is that we get so caught up and making sure that we're living right and doing right and everybody else is, that's supposed to be saved is doing right and we're looking at everybody else, how they're living. We're not looking at the lost and seeing what they need and giving them what they need, which is the Word of God. Ecclesiastes 11.4 warns, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. And I know from when I was young and we, we used to sow grass seed, we would sow it uh, with an attachment on the back of the tractor, and it would spread everywhere. Now, and spraying crops, there were certain things that you couldn't do if there was much wind, but you can't say, well, it's a little windy today. I don't want that wind blowing in my face. I'm not going to plant the crops today. The wind might blow for a month, or it might rain if the wind ain't blowing. So you got to be careful. You have to go ahead and plant the seed. Every little thing that comes up cannot hinder you from planting the seed of the word of God. We are simply to do what God tells us to do and trust him to bring in the harvest. Stonewall Jackson said, duty is ours, the consequences are God's. Now you have been given the perfect, incorruptible 
seed of the word of God. In 1 Peter 1 and 23, it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now this is a, a very familiar verse of scripture. Uh, preachers use it over and over. You've probably heard it taught on before. And we know what it means. Or at least we can give an explanation of what it means. But do we fully understand the verse, What understand what this verse has in mind, what God has in mind with this verse? Let's start by understanding what a seed does. A seed is not dead, but dormant. There's no life in the seed, but there is something in the seed that can be brought to life. Now, in this picture, what do you see on the left side of this frame right here? You see a seed. And what do you see on the right side of the frame? You see a plant. Very good. You all got 100. What did the seed need to sprout? There it is in water. I mean, there it is in the ground. I just give it to you. You had to have some water, right? You could put that seed in dry ground and it'll stay there if that ground's dry. If there's no moisture in that seed, it won't do. It. If there's no moisture in the ground, the seed won't do anything. It must have moisture. All right, how many times, this is a hard one now, how many times can a seed, a seed, become a plant? One. Very good, Jerry. Good check mark. Once a seed becomes a plant, can it ever be a seed again? Not produce seed. Can, it, can that plant become a seed again? Can it reverse back to that original condition? No, it cannot. You can go from a seed to a plant, but you can't go from a plant to a seed. Once the seed becomes a plant, will it always be a plant? It won't change into a Cadillac, will it? It's going to be a plant. It's always a plant. Once the seed becomes a plant, it is a new creation. A plant like that has never existed before on earth. Not exactly like it. It is a new creation creation. This plant will always try to do one thing. I don't care what plant you're talking about. It'll try to do one thing. No matter what you do to it, you can walk on it, you can cut it, you can throw dirt on it, whatever you do. What will this plant try to do? Produce seed. It's, it's going to do it, right? It's not going to say, I'm tired today, I'm not going to work at it today. It's, it's not going to say it's raining too much. I'm not. It might be, but it's still going to try to produce that seed. It, it won't. It won't say it's too dry and it's too hot. It's still going to try to produce that seed. Now that we've reviewed what a seed is, let's go back a few verses in First Peter chapter one. We read verse twenty-three about the incorruptible seed, but verse eighteen. Uh, that's not in your paper there, but I put it on the screen for you. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with, or that means not bought with, corruptible things, 
as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. <coughs> Twice in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells them, you are bought with a price, and that price is the blood of Christ. Before you were bought with a price, there was nothing spiritually inside you with life. But there was something inside of you that could be brought to life, and that was your soul. What did your soul need to be saved and become a living soul? I just give it to you. The blank of Christ. The blood of Christ. How many times can your soul be saved? One. Once your soul is saved, can it ever be lost again? No. Once your soul becomes a living soul, will it always be a living soul? Yes. Once your, living, once your soul becomes a living soul, it is a new creation. There's not another one like you anywhere. And some of you, I say amen. Second <laughs> Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I mean, we, we can go back on the screen here. And look at that seed and look at the plant. They really don't look much alike, do they? Because it is a new creation. And we are a new creature once we are saved. Now, don't, don't answer this out loud, but just take a moment. Who planted the incorruptible seed of the Word of God in your heart? Now, it might have been several people together put forth that effort to make sure that that seed was planted in your heart one day. But it wasn't that seed that they planted that saved you, but it was that seed that they planted that was received the blood of Jesus Christ, and you become a living soul. A living soul was created to do two things. Glorify God and plant seeds. No matter what happens to that soul or what it goes through, it can do those two things. And you'll say, well, what if this happened? What if that happened? What if I was in a coma? Can God be glorified by you being in a coma? Yeah. We can say that, can't we, brother? We weren't in comas, but we were very close same as, I think. Uh, so if God is glorified, is the seed being planted? God receiving glory helps to prepare that soul for the seed. But unlike the plant, you have a choice. Somebody steps on your big toe, you might quit 
planting. All right? You don't like the conditions where you're at, you might stop planting. You have a choice. But I want to ask you this morning to be faithful in sowing God's word at every opportunity. But you have to look for opportunities. You know, if you was going to become a farmer and you didn't have any land, you would have to find some land first, right? Whether you bought it or rented it or borrowed some land for a while or sharecropped some land, you would have to find some land. So you, the possibility of sowing the seed of work Sowing the seed of the word of God doesn't just come by somebody's not going to come in your house and say, I want you to go over here and sow the seed over here. You're going to have to look for somewhere, some way, somehow to sow the seed of the word of God. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian in the New Testament era, described... That's what the book says. I'll read it this way. The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian, described himself as a planter. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, all that Paul did, and he, give, he gives Apollos quite a bit of credit right here, but he said all that they did did not, save anybody it was God giving the increase so it was not Paul's responsibility to go to these cities and save people it was Paul's responsibility to go to these cities and preach the word of God and God would give the increase it's not Paul that's in control of the harvest but God Paul simply planted <clears throat> So we have to be faithful to plant. Tell the people we know, tell our family, tell people we work with, tell people we meet. You know, too many times, way too many times, we fall into a conversation and we don't search for an opportunity to do insert the seed. A conversation is a plot of land to plant seed. But we don't, we're not thinking about planting. We're not looking to plant. We have to search for that opportunity to plant. Some people will not respond to the gospel the first time they hear it. But how many people will get saved if they never hear the gospel? Zero. And then we have pruning the crops or cultivating the crops. A farmer cannot just walk away from newly planted seed. He must care for the plants as they grow. Now I know you can take corn and plant the ground and spray chemicals on the ground and no weeds will come up and that corn will do all it, it's ready to go, right? It, it, it will. That really ain't that good to do that, is it? So you have to usually plant crops. You have to, you have to plow the crops. And I don't mean plow them under, but you have to cultivate the crops. Now when Eddie showed me his new cultivator, I'm not going to say Eddie was proud, but he was just glad he was able to get such a bargain in this thing. Now listen, that's, that's Eddie's small bean field, so don't laugh because that field's small, okay? Now he's got bigger ones. But you have to cultivate. The weeds must be removed to allow the seed to grow properly. Weeds 
will strangle the seeds and young plants and rob from the soil the moisture and nutrients that they need to grow. When you, if you have a weed right beside a plant that you want to grow, the weed is going to take all the nutrients away from that plant. And they say opposites attract. I guess that's true because Sheila loves morning glories and I hate them. Or she never experienced the devastation they can bring on a crop or a garden. She never had to pull a, a six-foot-long morning glory off from around a plant without hurting the plant. Because the McDonald's she went to didn't have morning glories growing up. <laughs> the one I never got to go to. But weeds easily sprout up in our lives, don't they? In our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our actions and habits. Weeds that hinder and strangle our Christian growth like a morning glory wrapping around a strangling plant. We get so many concerns and so many other things going on in our lives, we don't plant. Jesus warned of this when he told of the seed that fell among the thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked him in Matthew chapter 13. He also says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. And that's what happens to us as Christians. We become unfruitful because there's so much going on in our lives. And a lot of it, you can't, you can't go home today and say, okay, all that's going to stop. You may have to slowly cut back some of it. But if you think about it, a lot of it only happened because you let it happen. We stopped looking for that plot of land to put the garden. John 15, 1 through 3, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, and it may, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Morning glories are pretty, but you have to get the morning glories out of the garden if you're going to if you're going to harvest anything out of the garden. Pruning and cultivating is essential for a good harvest, and God uses his word to purge, to shape, and to get the weeds out and to prune our lives as we obey him. So we need the word of God daily in our lives. We need to understand the Word of God. You're not going to get enough of the Word of God just from preaching or teaching, but it should be daily that you get the Word of God in your lives. And then next, the farmer possesses. Now, in the fall of the year, we think about harvest time. We think about Thanksgiving and the, you know, the different celebrations of that time uh, that, that comes along with that time of the year. Uh, but it's... For the farmer, it's definitely a time to gather the harvest. 
The time to harvest is now. There's not a time of the year that we have to wait for to plant the seed of the word of God. John 4, 35, 38, 35 through 38, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon, whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. One of the greatest blessings that I ever received was when I was uh, a young preacher. And an older preacher was sick and asked me to fill in for him at a nursing home that he was uh, preaching at. And he went there every week. So I went for him. I thought it was going to be, you know, well, he'll be better in a month, you know, at the most, right? Well, I preached there really just over a year. And although he went there every week for several years, he never had a soul saved. And I preached there a year and eight souls were saved. Now, did I preach better than he did? No. I promise you, because he knew so much more than I did at the time. There's no way I preached better than he did. There's no way I give him something to hit and already give him. But it was just time to harvest. All I did was hold the basket under the tree and the fruit fell in. That's basically all I did. But it's a blessing. But sometimes you may give somebody the word of God that's never heard the word of God, and they can be saved right there. But you may give somebody the word of God and they absolutely reject it and slam the door in your face and later they get saved because you give them the word of God. You see, the seed is planted. When you go and buy seed or if you order seed and it comes in a pack, I don't know how old that seed is, but if it's taken care of properly, it could be years. And, and when we look on the good side of, of weeds is the seeds, it could be 100 years if it's a weed. <laughs> Matter of fact, you, you can build a building on top of the ground, and 100 years later, take that building down. What's going to happen? Weeds will come up every time. It's going to happen every time. So you don't know how long the seed that you plant because that seed is what? What was it? Incorruptible seed. The seed's there. It can't get it out. He might not, 10 years later, they may not be able to say, somebody knocked on my door one day and what was it they said? I just can't remember. But the Holy Spirit can knock again. This is what they said. This is what you need to do. (coughs) 
The disciples of Jesus looked on the physical fields surrounding them and knew it was not yet harvest time. But Jesus urged them to look on the fields of God, a world that desperately needed to know the Lord. Like the disciples, we look around us and see everything but the harvest. We must do like Jesus said and look for the harvest harvest on purpose. He said, look, it's time. He didn't say, look, next week it's time. He said, look, the harvest is ready. If ripe crops are left in the field just a little too long, they will rot. Farmers clearly understand the urgency of getting the crop in. And I know this is probably a poor example because it's talking about tobacco, but that's what we raised when I was younger, when I was young. One year it was coming early frost and we had a late crop. Okay? So anything that was left on those tobacco stalks would be ruined the next morning. We had to work well into the night and prime all that tobacco off. And if you're from Stokes County, that's picking it. I don't know. I mean, Forsyth County, excuse me. They have, and Stokes County, they have different words. Uh, take all those leaves off and pile them between the stalks and then come back the next morning and we just threw the top leaves off that were frostbitten and then we could put the rest of it in the barn. It had to be done. That's the urgency that we need to see with planting the seed of the Word of God. It's got to be done. If it stays in the field too long, one day it will be too late. I know there's people that I will never see again unless the Lord puts them in my life again, that I failed to witness to. People that I had several opportunities. I know there's people every day that you see that you, you'll never see again, but I'm talking about people that I saw on a regular basis that I failed to witness to. And the frost has come. And I can't get it anymore. I can't do anything with it. I can't do anything with them. I don't want to see them again. And then... The time of harvest brings rejoicing. A completed harvest makes for a time of rejoicing and celebration. It brings a warm, satisfying feeling of accomplishment. Proverbs 13, 19 says, The desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Whether it be cooking, hunting, shopping, fishing, you get to do that. And when, when, the, when it's accomplished, boy, you, know, you, you finally get there and you're, able, you're doing that. It's sweet, you know, it's what you want to do. But so is praying and witnessing. If we pray and witnessing, that is also sweet. Unfortunately, today, people want the celebrating before the harvesting. They don't want to put the work out. They just, they just, they just, want, they just want it done. They don't want somebody else to do it. In God's divine order, however, work precedes rejoicing. In the end, all the toil invested in God's work will pale in comparison to the reward. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work. That means to be zealous of good works of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Unlike farming, our reward doesn't depend on the weather. But sometimes we allow the weather to hinder us. Whether or not we feel like it, whether or not we know the person, whether or not they're rich or poor, whether this or whether that. Weather really hinders getting the gospel out because we have so many weathers. Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We just have to keep planting. We just have to keep plowing. We just have to keep pruning and cultivating, and we'll reap some harvest. As 1 Corinthians 3, 6 explains, it is God who gives the increase, but he has chosen to use us to gather it in. Matthew 13, verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchantman seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, we'll be just about done, just about done. Imagine you are working for this merchant. His job is buying and selling pearls, okay? He's got a bunch of them. His whole business is about buying pearls. And one day, he learns of a pearl so wonderful, he sells all his other pearls to purchase it. He looks over at you. And he says, you're the one I trust to go get the pearl that I've already paid for. Every soul that you come in contact with is a pearl of great price. God gave his only begotten son to purchase it. He's looking over at you and saying, I want you to get that pearl for me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Lord, help us, Lord, to be more concentrated on the harvest of souls. Help us, Lord, Lord, to diligently search for the souls, Lord. Lord, help us to dil diligently search in your word, Lord, to encourage us and build us up in the Lord, Lord, that we may be able to go out and give the incorruptible seed. In Jesus' name we pray.